you, thank you, Lord. You say, behold, I am making all things new. The Spirit and the Bride say to you, come. Come into the new, come out of the darkness, come out of the chaos, come out of the emptiness, come out of the dry ground and be made new. Come alive in the name of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we ask you to come to come in power, to come with your presence, to come with your spirit of life and peace, your beauty-making power, Lord God. Release it in us this morning, God. Thank you for being here with us. We love you. Amen. All right. Go ahead and take a seat. This is fun. I'm enjoying this. All right. Man, a lot of beauty this morning already. Um, they were practicing this morning, and just hearing Zoe, I mean, I, I tear it up. It's just, it's beautiful. Singing to the Lord is beautiful. I asked you to share something uh, that you've seen or heard, maybe experienced, that is beautiful with each other. And when I thought of that question, the first thing that came to mind was this picture that I've seen years ago or so. In D.C., there's this huge museum. It's just packed full of art, uh, just jammed full uh, and we were walking through, and it's toward the end of our time there, and we were rushing through, trying not to miss anything, and we're just kind of breezing through, and we're scanning, and it's kind of a blur. You know, we're trying to take it in, but it's, you know, and I look to my right, and down in the distance, I see this picture, and it stops me, and I'm like, wait, we have to go see this. I mean, there's pictures all around it, but this thing just popped. It just stood out. It grabbed me. There at the end of the room was this painting. Anyone know uh, what it is? Or, let me ask you this. Anybody know who did it? Who's the artist? Just take a guess. Rembrandt, okay. We got a Rembrandt. What else we got? Come on. Da Vinci, yes. And I didn't know it. It's a Da Vinci. Right? Everybody, you know, 500 years later has heard of Leonardo da Vinci. Why? Because of beauty. God, through him, through his gifts, through his abilities, has made something stunning that stands out even amongst all this other. Now, this may not be your kind of beauty, all right? It's not for everybody. But if you have a pulse, if you have breath in your lungs, then there is likely some kind of beauty that will arrest you, that grabs you, that makes you stop. Visual beauty, maybe art, an amazing building, a sunset, a hummingbird, stars, racehorse. Racehorses are cool. Audio beauty, right? Music, birds, the ocean. There's literature, literary beauty, poetry, a nice haiku. Taste bud beauty, right? Some wild strawberries, something like that, ribeye. Experiences, snorkeling, gliding, know, riding a bike. Now, hopefully, the daily grind of life down here on the earth hasn't squeezed that out of you, hasn't shut out the wonder and the awe. 
If it, if it has, God wants to breathe on you new life. God wants to make you awake and alive again. Beauty is not commonplace. It's the exceptional. It's the miraculous. You know, it typically has a high cost. High cost. All right, Da Vinci painted only 20 portraits, which means what? They are rare, super rare. One of Leonardo's portraits, the Salvatore Mundi, Savior of the World, a picture of Jesus. It's, that was the last one that sold, is like four years ago, ago, $450 million. It's probably worth more today. It's the single most expensive artifact, according to some lists I've seen. All right, let's capture this. What is beauty? Beauty is something special. This is your first fill-in. Beauty is something special. It's, it's stand out. It's unique. It's rare. It's, uh, it pops. That strongly appeals to you, that grabs you, makes you alive. Something that potentially, if you're up for it, is like a window to the transcendent, the divine. Beauty lifts us out of ourselves, turns our focus outward. God uses it to draw people to himself. I've been to the Sistine Chapel in Rome, and it's a wild thing. There's this huge scene of Jesus' judgment day, right? Just popping with color, amazing Michelangelo. world there, all over the world. Atheist, believer, devout, sinner, everybody wants to catch this thing. It grabs us. In the Bible, the word beauty, beautiful, is used to describe art, the land, God's creation, women, children, God's people, God's temple, heaven, God himself, and God's word. God's word. God's word is stunning. It's, um, it hits you, if you're open to it, on all sorts of levels, emotionally, relationally. It, it is a window, truly, to the divine. It's God speaking through us. It's historical. It's poetic. It's visual. When you think of God's word, the Bible, either you're new to it or you've been in it a while, what comes to mind? be a story, a parable, a, a line. Anybody got something? Just wisdom. Yeah, all kinds of wisdom. We heard Proverbs this morning. That's timeless. Solomon lived about 3,000 years ago. We're still hearing it today. For me, I thought about the parable, you know, when the father representing God runs out to his long-lost prodigal son who has finally returned home and hugs him, embraces him, kisses him. That's beautiful. I think of Jesus' brief sayings, your sins are forgiven. It is forgiven. It is finished. You will be with me. Come, follow me. I think of amazing, I'm visual, so I, I think of amazing visions in like Ezekiel, that bizarre, wild, portable chariot, throne room of God. I think of the river of life making things alive. Uh, Daniel, I think of that stone that comes and it's, it's cut out. It's made by no human hand and it comes 
and it destroys these, others, these other kingdoms, and then it sprouts up and becomes a kingdom filled with people from all different nations and people and tribes. That's us. I think of images in Revelation, Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. Revelation 19, the saints of God riding alongside faithful and true. He's on this white war horse. Revelation 21 through 22, the new heavens, new earth, the, the river of life flowing with trees on every side, and his leaves are for the healing of the nations. Wow. I love it. The Bible's been a long, long time. Can you think of anything else that gathers people together like the Bible? All different kinds of people. It's powerful. It's beautiful. All right. We're going to look at a few passages today, starting with Genesis 1. Seems like a good place to start. Let's see what we got there. All right. Picture what's going on here. Use your imaginations. Open yourselves up to this. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the text zooms in to the earth down here. Now the earth at this stage, this early stage, picture it was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. That's what God started with. That's what God just began to work with. The earth is what? Formless. Chaotic, confused, no order or structure to it at all. All right, it's empty, it's lifeless, it's void, it's vacant. And darkness is over the deep. Darkness, chaotic, lifeless, watery. Not much to hold on to there. Now, anything, anytime you, bearer of the image and likeness of God, anytime you start to create something, create anything, you know, a, a new email or a new document. What do you start with? Emptiness, blankness, blankness, formlessness. You got a little, little boundary. That helps, right? Uh, you're a painter. You start with a blank canvas. Empty, lifeless, formless, new document, nothingness, white screen, new email text box. You're texting somebody. You know, great potential to do good, to do harm. <laughs> new team you're working with, people with potential, but no structure, no rules, no set expectations. Maybe you have a new home, blank walls, empty space, lifeless. A new business, nothingness. <laughs> can be overwhelming, can be confusing. A new relationship, are you starting to know somebody, empty, confusing, disconnected, a little clumsy? Let's read it again, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Next line. And, ooh, something's happening here. And the Spirit of God, the divine, powerful presence of God, was hovering over the waters. Hovering, like ready to act, ready to move, ready to create. We see this huge Divine, see what happens. Verse 3, and God, next thing, spoke. God spoke. God speaks his word and says, let there be light. He speaks, and there was light. 
Light appears, light comes into being by the power of God's word and his spirit. God begins to create. Then verse 4 through 30, God continues to speak. And the spirit continues to work through his word and spirit. God gives form where there's formlessness and chaos. He gives some structure to make this place inhabitable for life. And then through his word and through his spirit, he fills this place with life. And not just simple life, but life that can multiply, life that is blessed, life that can give more life. He's filled this place with life. And then at the end of his creative work, he sits back, Genesis 1.31, and God saw that it was good, that it was very good. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Let's capture this. Next, Phil, at first thing, before God spoke, it's not in the text, but we see it elsewhere about God's planning activity. Before he spoke, God envisioned, envisioned, imagined what would be. He saw the beauty before he spoke and began the creative process. He saw that something good before it came into being. He brings himself, he brings that to the project. And then next fill in, through his word and by the spirit, God created that beauty. He brought it out of chaos and emptiness and formlessness, including you and me. God created humanity in his image and likeness. And that means a lot of things, but it at least means this. Next fill in, God created you and me to do the same kind of thing, to do the same, to imagine, to speak, to work, to plan, and to create the power of the Spirit of God, along with the Word of God, lined up with Him. You and me, this, this maybe happened to you this week, maybe you're feeling it this morning, maybe you will this week. You and me, when facing nothingness, Emptiness, fatigue, darkness, chaos, or confusion. When faced with a loss of a job, a family member, a friend, a home. The emptiness that comes from making a mistake, from failing, from stumbling. The chaos of a traumatic event. The disorienting formlessness that comes with big change. The empty unknown the scary, dark, empty, unknown of the future. You have, in that moment, the ability, the God-given, God-bearing likeness to imagine what could be, to imagine beauty, to imagine something good, to not be overwhelmed by the darkness and the chaos and the swirly, watery deep, but to imagine what could be. The Spirit of God's right there when you're doing that hovering, hovering over the darkness with you, ready to speak, ready for you to listen and bring beauty and good and opportunity and life and blessing out of that darkness. I was thinking of an example of this. My wife, Becky, came to mind. She's a fourth grade teacher. Uh, this year, being a student or being a teacher was tough, right? Doing teaching online with fourth graders, 
Can you imagine that? I mean, adults, we have trouble with Zoom meetings, right? We're done with that. The loss of being able to teach in person, that personal presence. So this all goes online. But she's very imaginative. She's creative. She's crafty in a positive sense. She's resourceful. She works hard. She got creative. She, she thought about what could be. And if your kids had to learn online this year, you would have been blessed to have her as a teacher. I mean, I, I'm hearing her in the back room uh, in the mornings. She's got her little studio, a little curtain, and it's fun. I'm like, I couldn't help but listen. God created you and me with tremendous capabilities. Don't forget it, because the chaos will hit. The darkness, the confusion will hit. You have these tremendous capabilities that God gave you. And here's the question. Will you take the risk, make the sacrifice, put your resources to work, your God-given abilities to imagine, to plan, to act, and create something good and new and beautiful and life-giving, a blessing? Or will you play it really safe and cautious and waste those abilities and just kind of hold on to the little bit of, I don't know, life that you have? Will you just survive? Or worse, will you, will you take the risk? Will you use your imagination, your God-given abilities to do something that's not good, that harms, that exploits, that uses, that is selfish? God gives you the choice. He gives you these abilities and this amazing freedom. What will you do with it? What will you choose? If you want to use your abilities for good, to bless others, to help others, to make life better for yourself, those you love, others beyond you, then consider the one who did more and is still doing more of this beauty making than anyone ever, all right? Bible school answer, who am I talking about? All right, when Jesus first began this world-changing work of his, when he came in the flesh, God with us, God comes into the chaos, the darkness, the confusion, the emptiness, the brokenness. When God came in the flesh, he went early on, when it was time to go public, when it was time to break this thing out, on a Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue in Sabbath, on synagogue in Nazareth, where he grew up. He went to the front, all right, people knew him, there's a group of people here, maybe about this size, inside, and... Jesus is handed the scroll from Isaiah, and it's almost like he masterminded this whole thing. And the scroll is open, and this is what he read. Listen, from Isaiah 61, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, he has set me apart to proclaim, to announce good news, good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, those captivated and, and bound by chaos and darkness and emptiness and loss, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, for those who have just been, whose eyes have been shut because of the darkness, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year, the time, the age 
of the Lord's favor, his grace, his goodness, his welcome, his invitation, his new creation, this new life. He speaks this. Now, people in that synagogue knew this was Isaiah 61 and knew that this was about God's new creation that he had promised. He had promised it to this people who were oppressed and burdened and mistreated and worn down by the chaos, by the darkness. So he says this, and it's silent. Everybody looks at him. And then, a little dramatic pause, he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Stunning, jaws drop. And then Jesus goes out and does it. Jesus goes out and does these things. Matthew 4.23 gives us a summary. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, the new creation, heaven breaking in and making things new, bringing beauty out of chaos, and healing every disease among sickness uh, and sickness among the people, bringing restoration, bringing renewal, showing that he is the king, the God-man. News about him spread. Of course it did. News about him spread all over Syria up north. People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, those suffering under the darkness, the chaos, the, the demon-possessed, spiritual darkness, spiritual chaos, those having seizures, so medical issues as well, the, the paralyzed, and he healed them. He brought his new creation, bringing beauty out of chaos. And it's beautiful. It's awesome. People are so fired up. It's amazing. And it attracts some enemies who are threatened by this, who are uncomfortable with this. Three years later, after doing this, Jesus killed. In the middle of the night, he's, he's arrested, he's tried, sham trial, next day he's killed. And it looks like the darkness, the chaos, the, the deep watery blackness of death has won. But there's a reason we're talking about him today. On the third day, New life, new life, resurrection life, a new creation. Jesus rose, and that was just the beginning, an amazing beginning of this birth of God's new creation. Jesus' death and resurrection now, what he did for you, centuries, millennia in the scriptures, that death and resurrection has the power, releases the power in this world, to cleanse you of your sins. Having won that victory over sin and death, Jesus has the authority to pronounce you forgiven. If you haven't heard that, hear God speak. In the name of Jesus, you are forgiven because of his sacrifice, because of what he's done for you. 
And that's just the first stage of his work, the cleansing, the preparation. The next stage is for those who are cleansed. God speaks the word in the name of Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Be anointed with the Spirit of the Lord. God fills you and me to go out and do the same. To now go out all over the world and proclaim good news to the poor. Good news. Beauty wins. Life wins. The chaos does not win. Proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom for the prisoners. To help bring sight to the blind. To set free the oppressed. To work for that goodness, that life. To participate in God's work in the world of bringing beauty out of chaos. We get to do that. You've been anointed by the Spirit of the Lord to do that. You've been cleansed, forgiven, reclaimed to do his good work in the world. Let's capture this. Next fill in. You, brothers and sisters, you have been sent. You've been sent. In the name of Jesus and with the Spirit of the Lord to bring beauty out of chaos. You're an agent of God in this world, a powerful part of God's new creation to bring redemption, to bring life, to bring sight. That's your new life. It's not a one-time deal. It's, it's our walk now. It's the opportunity for us to live this out daily. God has made you new to live in this. So how do we do it? How? A couple of things. I tried to live this out more consciously this week. First one, number one, with God. Now, this afternoon, this evening, this week, with God, that's key, with God, not on your own, because we go crazy places with, on our own. With God, imagine, imagine. Let him speak to you. Let him reveal let him reveal that good path that will lead to life. With God, imagine. Don't get overwhelmed by the darkness, the chaos. Stop. And with God, imagine. What can be? He wants to show you. He wants to show you his plans. He wants to, next thing, collaborate with you. With God, imagine and collaborate with God. There's many ways to say this. Walk in the Spirit. Follow Jesus. All this is about collaborating with God. Take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. That's about collaborating with God. In everything, honor God in, in the things you say, uh, the things you do, the decisions you make. That's collaborating with God to bring beauty in this world out of chaos. We do that. I was thinking of a couple examples. I, <laughs> um, kind of a low-key one. Uh, last night, so uh, I try to get everything finished by midnight, Saturday. Like, it's final edit time. It's PowerPoint time. And uh, the, in the middle of that is say goodnight to Matthew and Levi if he's around, pray together, say goodnight time. And 
you know, when you're in task mode, maybe you know this, when you're under the gun, when the oppressor is on you of that deadline, you're like, the last thing you want to do is stop, interact in a loving way with your family members, maybe just me, and pray. Like, cause, or if we're going to do that, okay, but it needs to be efficient, right? I need to check that box off quickly. So I go in the room, and it's, it's never efficient because they've been chilling all night, right? Which is good. Saturday night. That's legit. All right, they've been chilling all night, and they're relaxed. They're having fun. They're joking around. And, you know, um, and Matthew comes, and he, he jumps on me. He wants to hug me and play. He's playful. He's affectionate. And I'm like, ah, i got to get things done, man. I don't have time for this, love. And I'm, but I'm, I'm immersed in this. All right, Wayne, let it go. Let it go. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but this next, next thing that I'm setting up is, number two, make the good sacrifice. Sacrifice the efficiency. Sacrifice trying to get things done and enjoy the beauty of that moment. Because it's not going to be there forever. Beauty is fleeting. Beauty is, you know, we get glimmers of it. We're going to get it in its fullness in the years and days to come, you know, somewhere out there. But right now, we've got to savor and take hold of it, enjoy it, be part of it, be a blessing, not an efficient taskmaster. That was my challenge last night. There's many other probably examples, but uh, there we go. So next one, make the good sacrifice. When God rescued Israel from the dark chaos of Egypt, what was required? A sacrifice. Sacrifice of the lamb, the blood of the lamb marking the home so that destroyer would pass over them. When God rescued you and me from the darkness of sin, the chaos of death, your life separated from God, what was required? A sacrifice. The sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the body and blood of Christ. I told you uh, the Da Vinci, last time it was sold, $450 million. That's a lot. But God came and paid a way higher price for you. For you to make you beautiful because you're special. Because he chose you, he knows you, he loves you. He can see already what you're going to be and what you're becoming. So let's thank him for that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming after us wherever we were. We thank you for how you keep coming after us, Lord, to bring us into beauty and new life. Lord, wherever we're stuck, wherever the chaos is creeping, wherever sin is trying to hold us back into that watery deep, Lord, we ask that you would release us, help us follow you, give us strength to pursue you and come out and walk with you and be an agent with you, collaborating and helping you make things new in this world, Lord.
We love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunities you're going to give us this week. Amen.